Since time immemorial, indigenous people have lived, traveled, and traded in the Puget Sound region. The Donation Land Act of 1850 to encourage westward expansion allowed American settlers to claim these traditional native lands. The explosion of immigration into the region that followed forced the U.S. government into a fraught treaty-making process with local tribes. The original terms of the Medicine Creek Treaty were inadequate and ultimately unaccepted by tribal leaders resulting in war. The Indigenous Voices podcast is an extension of the award-winning Puget Sound Treaty War Panel series and Fort Nisqually Living History Museum. The podcast advances tribal voices in the telling of Puget Sound history and shares tribal knowledge and expertise with wider audiences. In September 2022, the Puget Sound Treaty War Panel series was recognized, along with 52 other recipients nationwide, by the American Association for State and Local History for a Leadership in History Award. This award recognizes achievement in the preservation and interpretation of state and local history. Earlier this summer, panel participants gathered at the Association for Living History Farm and Agricultural Museums Conference, both in person and virtually, to discuss the development of the panel series with museum audiences. The panelists shared their thoughts on the program's development and evolution, its successes and challenges, and what it means to come together as a diverse group of historians to share this history. To celebrate the program's recognition by the American Association for State and Local History this month, we wanted to share this conversation in two parts. This is part two. My name is Charlene Christ, and I am from Squaxin Island Tribe, Medicine Creek Nation. My ancestry also includes the Puyallup, Nisqually, and Squaxin on my father's side. My mother's side, Colville Confederated Tribes, but also some Yakima. My mother descends from the Chief Joseph Band that was imprisoned in Nespelem. And my, my stronger side is my father's side because growing up in Kamelchi, but growing up in some of the areas where our family would harvest hops and berries. And we were migrant, migrant workers. And this is how my mother and father met each other. It's good to be here because I believe that we all are walking history. We all have history to share with one another. It was such an, a good opportunity to be able to connect with Fort Nisqually and their project that they were doing. It's good to be here. Thank you. Good day. My, my name is Warren King George. I carry the traditional name of Yulawit which comes from my father's side, from the Green River, from the Green River uh, Seuss Creek. I'm an enrolled member of the Muckle Street Indian tribe uh, on my father's side. And I'm a descendant of the Upper Skagit tribe on my late mother's. So that's uh, very northern uh, Puget Sound, very uh, close, closer to the Canadian border. That's the Lummi Reservation, the uh, Swinomish, Nooksack area. That's my late mother's territory, and even into the Canada side. And my father's comes from this side, from the, the South Sound. 
Point Elliot Treaty is my mother, and Point Elliot Treaty, Medicine Creek Treaty is my, my father. And so I'm happy to be here and, and have this discussion with you folks today. Thank you for attending. I appreciate the invitation. All right. Hostel. I'm Brandon Raynon. I'm the acting director for the Historic Preservation Department of the Puyallup Tribe of Indians. I am an enrolled tribal member as well. Um, on my father's side, I am uh, Puyallup, Nisqually, and Yakima. And on my mother's side, I am Irish and Scottish and English. <laughs> so I, you know, I, one of the stories that we, we wanted to be told here is how we're all related. Uh, all the warriors of the treaty wars were, were, were related and uh, Warren is my, would be, is, is a cousin of mine. So even in, in today's world, you know, historians were, were fighting to tell a story still. The, the descendants of the, of the uh, treaty war warriors are still, we're still kicking, we're still, we're still uh, telling the story. So I also am grateful for the opportunity to, to uh, talk with you guys today. I'm, I'm Jennifer Ott. I'm from History Link. And I am, have been just thrilled to be part of this project. We've been working on improving and increasing the amount of tribal history we have on History Link for a few years. But one of the challenges has been time. And this program has just given me the opportunity to really spend time with people that can tell me these stories and so I can learn about it. And it's been just invaluable for that. Thanks, I'm so glad we're here. Thanks for having us. So I'd like to ask what has worked well with this program and, and what was challenging? And again, we've got an audience of museum folks here, museum leaders, and I know everybody's very interested in hearing from our program partners. What I've found most challenging is the historical part of, you know, never really telling the story that in Tumwater they were driving the tribal people out of there and they were beheading people $200 on a, a head. It's a grisly part of the history that you don't get told in history books in high school or colleges. It's something horrifying, but you had a governor who wanted this, get rid of those native people. Can you imagine if something like that happened today? The uproar and the cry out of humanity would be great. The hard part for me was, you know, just really thinking about that because those are my people from the Tumwater area. And about the time too, they had this horrible thing going on where they were studying the craniums of Native Americans and shipping train loads, cart loads of uh, skulls from the battlefields. There's just so many things in this that it was very difficult. You know, there's things that just wells up in you. You either get really angry or you just break down and cry. And history is good, but at the same time, for the real raw truth of history, sometimes it's really tough. It's tough to read the, the raw truth because, or to hear it because it can be really heavy. And this is what the elder said. We have to be careful who hears that. And we want to make sure that it's not too heavy and burdensome on the people. That was the, the most difficult part, thinking of that part of the history of my people at war and the loss. So I'll add uh, from a non-Native perspective, one of the things that's been reinforced over and over again is the value of 
going to the people who are part of the community that you're talking about and asking them how they want to formulate a program, how they want to present a topic. There, I have to admit there were times I was like, oh, I've nailed it. I now have learned enough that I'll know how they want to approach this. I don't, I, I come across this in a lot of projects I've done, but this one, it was particularly true that to really embrace that you don't even know what you don't know. And so just go with a very open mind and, you know, build in the time. That's what one of the things I've really appreciated with this project is that we've had the time so that it wasn't like, oh my gosh, the program's next Tuesday, we got to get it done. There was time to really settle in and think about how we wanted to talk about things and approach topics. You know, I know, I knew that was true. Like I knew that it was important to build in time for conversation, but this has only reinforced that. Yeah, I think we've spent as much time talking, you know, outside of the programs that we have within the programs, for sure. That's what I think went really well was the fact that we were able to get, you know, five different nations together, native nations, six if you count, you know, the non-natives. <laughs> so, um, no, we're, we're able to get everybody and, you know, work well together, given each nation its opportunity to, you know, share its version of the story. Uh, but, you know, really working well with our, with our tribal counterparts and really hearing their version of the story too, their version of history, learning from, uh, you know, Netsy and, and uh, Charlene and, and, you know, I love Charlene's stories, man. Those, I, I have never heard each of those stories that she's shared. I'm just like, wow, that, you know, totally um, has added to my knowledge of the history. Um, the same with Netsy too. I mean, she had versions of the story and she had other stories that were from her family. It broadened um, not just our as tribal nation uh, historians, but like Jennifer was saying, how it broadened her knowledge as a non-native as well. I think the, one of the major challenges was was just the the platform. I mean, having to do it over you know virtual. Um, uh, you know, there there was you know we couldn't see the audience. Outside of that, I didn't. I don't really think there was much really challenge wise. And, you know, just, you know, getting everybody on, getting the, uh, a flow was probably a challenge for the, for the first one to, to the last one. We, we finally figured it out. And I think we'll carry that over into the podcast now. And the podcast has been much better of a flow and has been able to be more centric on, on certain issues. So um, other than that, I really thought we did a great job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, uh, and, you know, sort of the fort and, and their staff and, and getting this all put together. So. I'm sure challenges for them are getting the five nations together, but uh, all in one room, but. Uh... So about what worked well for this program. In this case, when we got together and talked about potential moderators, you know, we threw a bunch of names in the hat. There was a specific background that really was, I was pushing for. And Jennifer Ott uh, has that background. I was looking for somebody who was not an expert yeah. Native culture, a cultural specialist. Yeah. Right. I was looking for somebody who wasn't a treaty war specialist. Uh, so in this case, because of Jennifer's, she her she knew the basic knowledge. Of, she knew just enough, like she said, she she knew just enough to be familiar with our our top, our subject matter, but not enough to have a conversation. So we were there to provide that information. She was there to guide the discussion to make sure we stayed on point. And Jennifer did an excellent job. You know, if they gave awards out for that, I'd vote for that. Yeah. 
So that I thought that worked real well. And also, um, I thought that uh, Elizabeth uh, put together an, an excellent team. There are, I know that there are a lot of details that go on behind the scene. So there's a lot of administrative processes that have to happen. We didn't get to see any of that. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Uh, uh, you know, I, don't even, I couldn't even tell you how, how all that, uh, all the details. I couldn't explain to you how that happens. I just know that I was given a date and a time. <laughs> that was all we were we were given, right? So all of the details behind us all took place. So you know, my hands go up to, to Elizabeth uh, and and uh, Jennifer for you know for taking care of all of that. So, but on the flip side of that, there were some things that were were questionable. Or during that era, there were neighboring tribes who were on the other side of the fence. It was suggested that that neighboring tribe come to the table and come and talk about details about what, about what happened. But unfortunately, the invitation was declined. So that was, you know, I was a little, I was not looking forward to that conversation. I was certain, you know, it's an uncomfortable and awkward discussion to have uh, about Native Americans and about the ugly things that have happened their really dark history. And some of those dark conversations that have not yet happened yet and still need to happen. I think that's a, a really good point, Warren, that there were topics that are not ready for a public sort of conversation like this yet, but non-native people are just aware enough that they're curious fairly common to get an email and say, so what's the story? What's the conflict there? And it's hard to help people understand that the conflict comes out of the circumstance. You have to look at what underlies that conflict. And that's a complicated story to help people understand. And so I'm looking forward to the day when we've all become kind of sophisticated enough in our knowledge that we can have that public conversation. But there was a few times when questions came in on the chat where I would hesitate because I just didn't think we would have a productive conversation and we might do more harm than good by bringing up those particular questions. And, you know, I, I wrestled with that because, you know, you don't want to shy away too much from the hard stuff. Those are really hard things to hear, but you kind of want people to understand that this is not like the cowboy and Indian movies, that it was just really, really brutal. And, you know, people did things that they thought were justified that were pretty awful, um, not pretty awful, really awful. But, you know, we kind of have to do this foundational work with the public first, I think, to just help everyone kind of get up to speed and to not do more harm than good. Because I think of like what Charlene was saying about people carrying that trauma with them that's real and I don't want to poke at something that's going to do somebody harm just so that I can help people understand how awful it was it's tempting to be like you sit down I'm going to tell you this and you're going to hear it and, but that's not how it works I know it won't do any good it, you know we have, we have a ways to go before we get there so that was one thing that was challenging for me was how to not respond to some of the comments I saw go by when I was moderating because I wanted to correct, you know, fix that perception. I remember once I mentioned to Warren, I don't know if you remember this, Warren, somebody's conversation about fishing rights and the uh, 
the Ballard Locks when I was writing about the Ship Canal and how it was just so frustrated that they just didn't understand the treaty laws and, you know, like they didn't even understand the foundation of it. And I remember realizing that you've heard those comments all the time and that I was just new to the conversation. <laughs> and so just because I heard it and wanted to fix it doesn't mean I could. You know, <laughs> I learned from the people on the panel just by watching them and how they dealt with these hard things about how to just meet people where they are and then you know hope that they just keep pulling along with you and developing their understanding comprehension even just really helping them fathom it i guess what is the significance of coming together it is a diverse group of people diverse communities to to have this conversation so the first word that came to mind with that question was continuity is a word that kind of explains why we came together again over 100 years ago, we came together for the purpose of recognition of identity and the importance of place. The descendants of these same warriors, the descendants of these same families, are all coming together once again to reannounce or to continue the work that they started in 1854, 1855, etc. So it's really significant that these tribes, that these villages come together and acknowledge that concerted effort to continue the good work that our ancestors did all those, all those decades, several decades ago. It truly has been an honor and a privilege, truly. The significance of bringing us all together is as the Medicine Creek Nation, we had our protocol, our values, our ways, our laws of how we did things. And foremost of all was the value of family. We loved our families. We wanted to make sure they were fed, they were taken care of. I mentioned earlier in the conference that our people had longevity of life, we lived long. As a person that knows that our people suffered greatly, we see the life of our people shortened so quickly. So many of them just died early. Our history can be very healing to us, even the terrible side of that history. And then maybe it helps people to say, that's why I've been feeling this way. Because some of our people, they're still carrying a lot and you know, make some wrong choices. And we want to scoop them, let them know, you have every right to be proud of your nation. When we talk about war, we're still kind of at war trying to bring back our lost loved ones back into the, the circle. And the significance, you look at positive and negative, they always go together. The significance is that we are talking about it. We have this family connection. I may not be blood to these men, but I am CIA, which means I'm a relative of, of the Medicine Creek Nation. And if we search way back, we might find some connection. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I can't add really to anything that either Charlene or Warner said. I mean, they, they've taken the words right out of my own mouth. I guess thinking about, well, what can I say? <laughs> I, think, I think the significance for me would be the fact that this showed that as historians, 
we can work together, both non-native and native, and make the whole story told. As you all are, uh, you know, either planning on writing a book or if you're, you know, in your museums, that you're get that native perspective and make it even bigger. Make your museum and your your uh, books even better uh, by getting the whole picture and being willing to tell the entire story and uh, like we did here and have it be unedited. I mean, let, let the entire history, both the ugly and the good, be uh, be shared because uh, that's what we did here. And I think it's going to only help the Fort Nisqually and their Living History Museum um, be able to become even stronger and even uh, more successful. To be in a room with the Medicine Creek Treaty Tribe members and to have the conversation together is different. You know, it's usually I go to talk to this tribe or I go to that tribe. And I definitely have fallen prey to that segmentation that is, you know, it's the nations are nations and they are sovereign and they are true identities, but also it gets lost a little bit in that federal influence and the, the federal government's way of organizing things, the interconnectedness. And, you know, there were times when we'd all be talking and I would think about actually the gathering for the treaty signing and how different the understanding of community and connection and relationship was then to what I have experienced at growing up and understanding tribes and their relationships with each other. I think that was really valuable just to, to see the things that they held in common and the things that they, their experiences or their family experiences were different. It was subtle often, but it was really good. It was very um, meaningful for that part of this program to bring that many different perspectives together. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us monthly as we continue the conversation among diverse communities impacted by the treaty war and its aftermath. To learn more about the Puget Sound Treaty War, visit our tribal partner websites and fortnessqually.org, where you can watch our four-part panel series on the conflict. This podcast is generously supported by the Tacoma Historic Preservation Office and the Tacoma Arts Commission. Music by Vincent Johnson, Nooksack Lummy, and Nishani Johnson, Jamestown Sklalem Lummy. Lummy.